As you're turning there, I want to tell you about a great opportunity that's coming up. You may notice some of the posters that are around the church today. I want to let you know, starting Mother's Day, May 14th, next Sunday, and then continuing through Father's Day, June 18th, there's going to be a new sermon series on marriage and the family. We're going to see what God has said about how our marriages and how our families should exist in His plan. Not what the world would say. There's a lot of information today, not what I would say, but what God, the creator of the home, the creator of the family, and the creator of marriage. But He's going to tell us His plan is for us in marriage. Then, in the four Sundays in between that, uh, May 21st through June 11th, in the evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a Bible study called Gender Confusion, what God has said about the roles of men and women. We're going to split up on those Sunday nights. The ladies are going to go in the fellowship hall. Uh, the men are going to be here in the auditorium. I'm going to teach the men. Brenda's going to teach the ladies. It's going to be a great, uh, great Bible study. Uh, I look around today and thinking about heading into this, uh, our homes today, you look around, our homes are hurting. Our marriages are hurting. Because of that, our kids are hurting. Our kids are suffering today. And because of that, it bleeds into the church. And our churches are hurting. And our churches and the movement of Christ are hindered. And I'll just tell you, we're in a mess today, an absolute mess. We see the turmoil. We see the chaos all around us. And I'll just tell you very plainly, I'm excited about this study because our answers are not going to come from some self-help book. They're not going to come from Dr. Phil. They're not going to be found sitting on a counselor's couch, but they're going to be found in and from the living Word of God. So I'm going to tell you, listen to this. I'll just tell you, I believe the greatest thing that you can do this year is be here and participate in these six weeks. Did you hear me? I believe the greatest thing you can do this year is be here and participate in these six weeks. Join me in praying for that effort. Today is our senior in high school, senior recognition Sunday. We're excited about our seniors. We're going to recognize them today. They're eating breakfast right now. There's a, a senior breakfast. We're proud of their accomplishments. When you leave this service, if you find one of them, you tell them they've done a good job. And more than that, you commit to pray for them. It is on occasions like these, it is on benchmark days like this, that I become very sentimental. I become very reflective, and I consider the journey of our lives. Just last night, Sarah was showing me a picture of, of her and Emily. That seems crazy. The time has gone on. Uh, that quickly, but the truth is time is going very quickly, and time is, is moving on, and, and, the, and the truth is many times, in fact, I'll just tell you, most times life is not what we expected, and it is on these days when I sometimes stop and think about the course of our lives. It was 28 years ago, 1989, and that was a great, great year including the greatest decade, the decade of the 80s, that I was dressed in a robe, just like they're going to be dressed in in a few moments. And I sat, actually sat in a service just like this. And as I sat there, I remember they read my list of plans. And I can remember I was headed to play college football, the greatest thing that I could ever imagine at that point in my life, my goal, my, my greatest thing that I could ever do. 
I wanted to go to school and I wanted to be a football coach and I was excited about my future, our future. I, one of the guys I played with as a freshman in college, he's now the head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. And that's, that's the life I wanted. That was my dream. I remember that year a song came out. It was a big song. In fact, it was a number one song that year. It was a song by a guy named Bobby McFerrin. And the song was called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You heard it, evidently. Very, very popular. It played all year long. It played all year long. And, and I remember thinking about that as the class of 1989, we were launched out into the world singing, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Here was the problem. We were launched into a world that is seldom happy. Here's the problem. We were launched into a world that is consumed with worry. And I'll just tell you, I believe in these 27 years, it's worse now than it was then. And so today on Senior Recognition Sunday 2017, and for all of us here today, I want to preach a message that I have entitled, This One Thing. This one thing. We're in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to look at verses 25 through 33. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. The vocal verse is going to be verse 33. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on, is life, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things. For your heavenly Father knows what you knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you, my King, my Lord Jesus, my Redeemer, my salvation. And therefore, my hope, my peace, and my future. I praise the name of Jesus today. We come now as we together as your people. I pray that our hearts of worship have been made known to you. And that it wasn't an act, it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of production, but it was our hearts of joy and love for you that were expressed to you. We come now and I pray as we begin to study your word. I pray that we would understand what an awesome event this truly is. And how awesome it is that we have the word from God. And I pray that you would speak 
to us through it, that you would teach us, that you would train us. I pray that we would be changed today in the preaching and the hearing and the study of your word. We come today, I ask that you would move freely in this service. I pray for, for folks that are lost and today they might find Jesus Christ, our only hope. Pray for us as believers that we might be reminded and maybe reprioritize today in the preaching of your word. Deal with our hearts as well. We tell you we love you, we praise you, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When I graduated in 1989, again, a great year, a great decade, and I already mentioned that. When I graduated that year, we were told, in fact, we were taught that there was no doubt that very clearly, that observedly, the scientific truth was that there were nine planets in our solar system. I left Hawkins Elementary School. We had a model of nine planets in our solar system. I walked out of Vernon High School, and I knew there were nine planets in our solar system. I want to tell you, if you said there were eight, or if you said there were ten, you would have been wrong. There were nine planets in our solar system. Well, imagine my surprise when last month I was talking to Will, a second grader, and Kale, a fifth grader. Imagine my surprise when I find out there are only now eight planets. They said, Dad, there's only eight planets. And I told them, well, I, I graduated from Burton High School. There's nine planets <laughs> in our solar system. Well, evidently Pluto is no longer a planet. I we looked this up. Somebody has determined that Pluto is too small to meet the criteria for a planet. Now, somebody wrote that it's now called a dwarf planet, which scientifically is really no planet at all. And so Pluto is no longer a planet. Now all I can say is be careful, short people, <laughs> lest someday you're deemed not people. <laughs> And you might wonder, well, how did that happen? Wouldn't it seem that there's either eight or there's nine and we can observe it, we can measure it? How in 27 years have we lost a planet? How did that ever happen? Listen to me this morning. Get this, especially those that are students here today. Be sure of this. The world's idea of truth is ever moving. The culture's idea of truth is ever changing. And that's why we're stressed out. That's why we can't find any lasting measure of happiness. But you hear me today. God's truth does not change. It does not falter. It does not shift with the times. But God's word, his truth always stands. So when we come to a place today that we would like to say, do not worry, be happy. We're going to have to go to the Word of God, the living Word of God, our Bible, and that's where we're going to find it. Well, that's what we're going to do this morning. In our verses today, Jesus is speaking, He's teaching, and so understand, it is from Jesus Himself that we hear our truth today. Let's look at our verses, and we're going to move very quickly to our focal verse. Here. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in the, is in the midst of his Sermon on the Mount. The Bible says he has called his disciples. He's drawn them in. A bunch of others has come, have come as well. And he is in the midst of teaching.
teaching there in his sermon on the mount. And that's where we find verse 25. Let's begin looking at verse 25. It says this, Jesus says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And very quickly here in verse 25, very quickly in our verse, Jesus draws a line of distinction. And that's our starting place. Notice here, he draws a line of distinction. Jesus points out there are the things that we naturally seek, but he says, but then there's also something more. Now be sure and see this. Be sure and see the word here for worry. He is saying, do not worry. Do not stress over. Do not overly focus on the search for, for what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. He says those things are not the goal. There is more to life than those things. And so he draws a line of distinction. The verse says, is life not more than food? Is the body not more than clothing? Be sure today, the biggest letdown, the biggest mistake that you could ever make, that we could ever make, is to elevate the things of this world, is to seek after the things of this world like they would produce a lasting purpose. Now you might say as you hear this, well, don't we have to eat? Well, don't we have to secure clothing and, and shelter? Shouldn't we take serious these things? Jesus goes on in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Well, that seems very simplistic, doesn't it? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more than they? Look at these birds. Watch the birds. Doesn't God feed them? Doesn't He provide for them? Are you not worth more than they are? Very practical example. Jesus goes on, verse 27. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Verse 27 really is a picture of self-reliance. It is a picture of, of self-dependence. It's a picture of worrying about, stressing about these things. And Jesus is showing here how futile that is, how empty that pursuit really is. Notice it says here, who of you, by worrying, can add even, even, a single hour to your life. You can worry and you can worry and you can stress and you can stress and you can burn yourself up in the pursuit of these things and who of you by worrying can add even an hour to your life. It doesn't even change an hour in your life. Now already you see the question developing here. The question is this. It's for all of us today. What will the focus of your life be? That's really what he's getting at. That's a pretty simple analogy here. But really he's asking, what will you spend your days trying to acquire? What is it that you're going to seek after? What will the desire of your heart truly be? That's the question he's asking. 
Verse 28. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Verse 29. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon, imagine the majesty of King Solomon, not even Solomon in all of his great glory clothed himself like one of these lilies. Keep it on with the picture, verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus says here, can't you see God is in control? Can't you see here God is providing? And if he's in the details of the grass which is growing today and is dead tomorrow and then is cut and then heaped into the furnace, if he's in the details of even that, how much more concerned is he with you? Says there, you of little faith. Really the question is this, and it's becomes a question with our kids and it becomes a, a question with our, our youth and then it becomes our question as adults and the question is this so then can you trust God that's what it's asking can you trust God you see what he does with the birds you see what he does with the with the grass here he's in the smallest details of those will you trust God and if you'll be what God has intended for you to be he says he's going to provide the rest He's going to take care of the rest. But the question is, will you trust God? Take your hands off the controls. Will you trust God? Verse 31. Do not worry. Wow. Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. Then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? Verse 32, for the Gentiles, some translations say pagans, for the Gentiles, the, the pagans eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And when it's talking about here about the Gentiles, it's talking about the pagans, it's talking about lost people. See again here the clear distinction, the line is drawn again. These folks are not people, he's not God's people. And he's saying here, you can worry about the things that the lost folks worry about. You can focus on the things that the lost folks worry about. And I'll just tell you today, that's the lie of the world. The world today comes and says, the greatest thing you can do in your life is be successful. And that's what we start training our little kids. The greatest thing you can do is be successful. And you need a high power of this. And you need to excel at that and in athleticism and in, in school. The greatest thing you can do is be successful. And then we launch out into a career world. And the, the greatest thing you can be is successful. And then we start to say, you know, the, the greatest thing you can do on this earth is be wealthy. And that's what the culture promotes. The greatest thing you can do is be wealthy. The greatest thing that you can be in life is happy. Oh, that, that's the purpose of life, that you be comfortable, that you be happy. The greatest thing that you can do in your life is achieve all your dreams. And people start saying, you know what? You can do what you set your mind to. And if, if you can dream it, you can achieve it, you can live it. And, and these seniors, people are going to wish them success and wealth. And they're going to wish them that their dreams would come true. And I want to tell you today, the truth is it's a lie. The truth is it's empty. The truth is it's a mirage and it's not real. And so we train up these kids and we send our kids off and we launch them off and they're going to do what we've done and they're going to burn up their days and they're going to grind up their guts and they're going to go on a 
treadmill that goes nowhere and they're going to stress and they're going to chase after the things that never even matter and all the while we're going to sing to them don't worry be happy listen to me it's a lie it's Satan's deception and then in that understanding and then in that context verse 33 but look at it turn but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness the only way we're righteous is through Jesus Christ but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you listen to me today dear friend our hope is in Jesus our security is in Jesus our peace our foundation our future our purpose is found in Jesus our salvation if we have any hope of having one is in Jesus our eternity is in Jesus and so what we need to tell our kids what we need to tell our youth what we need to say in our homes what we need to say in the church is so seek him look for him and when you found him abide in him and walk in him it's all that's ever going to matter this one thing. Sometimes I watch my friend on TV. I would have liked to have coached like that. I would have liked to walk those sidelines and let a team to compete for victory in front of 100,000 folks wasn't God's plan. Instead, I get up in the morning and my heart is, Lord Jesus, let me walk with you today. Let me do what matters for you today. It's all that matters. This one thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that you tell us the truth in your word. We don't have to go chasing our tails and, and follow the truth of this world that's going to shift. But you tell us this one thing, follow Jesus, abide with Jesus, seek His righteousness, seek His kingdom, and all those things will take care of Himself. Help us to know that. Help us to believe that. Help us to trust in You. And it wouldn't be for us, but for Your movement, for Your glory, for Your kingdom. The lost world would see Jesus Christ through his people. Tell you today, we love you and I love you. Tell you today, I thank you and I praise you and I worship you. I pray for some in this room that maybe do not have a relationship with Christ. They've been pulled into the things of this world and they think they're going to find their hope there and they're finding out it's not working. Pray that today, in this hour, they put their faith in Jesus. Pray for us as believers in this room today that we'd have a new priority today, a renewed priority. It's really about this one thing and everything else will take care of itself. We love you, our Savior. We worship you, our King. We trust you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name.